Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Not even going to let you marinate in this music any longer. Let's go right, right to the interview. This is a um, multidimensional guy. His name is Ken Pittman. Get into it. All right. One of the most interesting guys I have ever known. Also a hell of a good man. A man who no- knows his way around Washington, D.C., at least the parts that I need to know about. Uh, and those are include uh, most of the notorious watering holes. Ken Pittman is uh, not only a radio host, and you can re- uh, listen to Ken and 1420 WBSM, and that is out of that's out of Fall River, Ken, right? New Bedford, actually. New Bedford. I'm sorry about that. No, and, don't worry. We do the same thing to you guys, but with Lowell and Lawrence. <laughs> Ooh, that doesn't go so well. And, uh, kind of same thing. And uh, Ken is he's also the front man for the band Living on a Bad Name, uh, which is a is it safe to say a Bon Jovi tribute band, or is there a new? It is. Yeah. And um, and Ken's all. Uh, can I? Am I allowed to mention your other occupation? Yeah. Ken is also a private investigator, which is very cool. <laughs> and um, and he's got some great stories. Maybe we'll ask him about a couple of them. A lot of stuff he can't talk about. But go have a couple beers with Ken. It is worth your time. Ken Pittman, my friend, how are you? Um. Well, thanks for all the kind words. Um. And, and by the way, just like New Bedford is superior to Fall River, we do recognize Lowell as being superior to Lawrence. Thank you very much. We, we understand that. <laughs> Thank you very much. And I'm actually still up here, Ken, next to Newburyport on the Merrimack River too. So I get the benefit of all of the um, of, of all of the the deposits of uh, cleanliness that uh, that uh, Lawrence uh, distributes into the river. That was a cheap <laughs> shot. That is not fair. That is not fair. Hey, so Ken. Tell me something. How's your uh, lockdown do- been? You know, I get six kids. What do you think it's been like? My hands. I, I literally have this thing. Um, they call it Gardner's Carpal Tunnel. Hmm. My wife has put me to work, like real work, in the in like two two dump trucks full of soil that I had to put into the wheelbarrow with a shovel and then pack it against my home. Because we had a negative grade in some areas, so we try to run the water away right. so that the pump downstairs doesn't work. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Now I am a farmer. I don't. Uh, you got to get me out of here. You're a farmer now? Ken, talk to me. I'm a farmer too now. Well, I, I actually like gardening. I didn't, never, never thought I'd be into anything like that. But, uh, you know, I, I constructed a, a couple of uh, raised boxes um, with some 2x10s, like 4x8, running some loam and uh, you know, get mulch all around the deck with uh, certain growths and learning. It's 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 fun to learn. And I've got this guy who's sort of the Portuguese Bilbo Baggins across the street, and he's teaching me a lot. You go into his backyard, it looks like the Shire. Uh, there's fruit trees. Is this? That I mean, it's amazing what How people cool. can do. Yeah. Any animals? I have uh, a neurotic beagle named Cricket. She was uh, kicked out of her hunting troop for being terrible at it. <laughs> nope, true story. 
And she, um, you know, I had a chocolate lab before this. And so the chocolate lab was kind of a bully. Wouldn't bite or anything, but she was, you know, she wanted something. She was just stubborn. If you talk to this dog sternly, she literally starts crying. So we don't, we're not allowed to admonish her in any way. You know? Is this a dog that's afraid of grass? Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Cricket will walk on the steps, the stepping stones. She'll walk on the driveway. She'll do anything she has to to avoid wet grass on her little uh, paws. <laughs> a hunting dog. Well, I mean, as long as the prey stays on the uh, driveway, I guess, or on the crosswalk, <laughs> the sidewalk, then that's good. Um, so, Ken, I've got chickens, by the way. I've got 12 chickens. Are you in the chicken yeah. business yet? So that's kind of great if you're, you know, because they'll eat all the slugs and all the, the grubs and all the stuff you don't want in the uh, in the garden. Yeah. Is that part of the reason? Yeah, and that's why I got, I got guinea hens or guinea fowl. Do you know those? Nope. So those are from Africa. They're like these big basketball-looking gray things, and those eat like thousands of tons of ticks per like month or something. And they're wow. like, but they're really stupid. They're really dumb. And one will always follow the others. And so you can't. They always assume I'm trying to kill them. Meanwhile, we have six chickens, and those guys are domesticated. They understand that where Tom goes, the food is, and to hang around me. So uh, they are fun. I do have Dave, the Jack Russell Terrier, who's trying to kill the guinea fowl. He wants to go out there and kill them all. And like, can, you've seen when a dog like really, it, its nature side comes out, and it doesn't. It's almost like an unre- unrecognizable to you. Like the, I see my little yeah, Jack like Russell. the CIA programs them. And all of a yeah. sudden, they're triggered. Yes, exactly. I know. And they hit. The, I have seen that. And it's yeah. So that's part scary for me. So I don't want them to destroy uh, all the all the animals. But I also, and I've got four kids. In, which is easier than six, but you're, you've got most of those guys are older right now. Keith, yeah, Keith is 23. He's actually out. Uh, he's living at a friend's. Um, he's going to be touring. Well, he was supposed to tour already with, uh, do you remember Striper from the 80s? Of course, calling on you. Yeah, yeah. So he just recorded with them uh, in February, and he's supposed to tour with Michael Sweet, the oh Michael Sweet band. And uh, I don't know <laughs> if you, you remember TNT. Uh, um, yes. It was competent so. rock. It was really good. It wasn't like radio play, but uh, they have some pretty good alumni who've gone on to bigger things. Like the singer Tony replaced uh, Sebastian Bach and Skid Row, and uh, so he's Keith was all scheduled to do the uh, play the drums and and to to do backup harmonies uh, for the Michael Sweet Band and TNT, who was opening for the Sweet Band, um, and that all got canceled. And you know, back in February, you know, this is a, a big thing for him. So. He said, it's never going to happen. Something's going to happen. It's going to stop mm. it. And I said, no, you're crazy. And of course, you know, but um, yeah, so so Keith is uh, 23. Nick's 20. He's at Bridgewater State, uh, although he's not at Bridgewater State, as we know. Um, right. Paul is 19, and he's another uh, criminal justice student, but he's doing it the nice. way, I think, is the smarter way because he's doing the... Um, community college, then he'll transfer the credits over. So he has two years of uh, Bridgewater State, not four years of bills. And then we get Marty, who's uh, going to, into his junior year. My daughters are 11 and 7. Okay. Nina and Elena. Okay. That's, that's everybody. So um, in what's your oldest son's name again? Keith. Keith. Okay. Yep. Yep. Can I, you know, I am, I have animosity towards Keith. If he actually goes on tour in a rock band at 23 years old around the United States. Yeah. I'm, I, I have, uh, <laughs> and no, it's not animosity. It's pure jealousy. My goodness. Can you imagine 23 years old, 23? You don't even like, like your knees don't hurt at 23. Everything's, oh, you're good looking at 23, no matter what. Ugh. Stay up to four and get up at, at six and go to work. Yes. Ugh, I know. Goodness. I know. I, so, you know, he's been with my band. Uh, since he was 13 and uh because i might be in just uh turned 10 on on in sometime in april and you know thinking back at all the 30 year olds i'm trying to shush away all these 30 year old chicks you know like hey come on what are you doing he's, he's got homework in the morning <laughs> Is that, that's fantastic well good for him that's great yeah um and so the daughter the two daughters and i have a daughter my daughter is the oldest of the four and she's the best person of the four and the sweetest human being do you find that the daughters are um you don't have to say better people because that's a low uh, immoral thing for me to say but i can't help it um are the are the daughters uh do they provide 
a, a different kind of joy, we'll say. It's a different, yeah, it's, it's very different than that. Because I had the four boys first, and um, it's the same level of love. It's just a, a different kind of, of love. So when you say something like that, Tom, you know, you're supposed to look left and right, aren't you, as a dad? Yeah, but the, the kids uh, dismiss out of hand everything I say. They don't respect <laughs> me, really. Anyway. Okay. No, yeah, they don't. They don't care. Their 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 mother is the only is the CEO of the household. I'm a figurehead, and uh, and not to be respected. All right. How's your wife, by the way? Andrew's doing well. Um, she is just a sponge with all this gardening knowledge. You know, she takes it all. She's constantly on YouTube, constantly educating herself on this and that. And uh, it's tough to get her in home. She's out there from the early morning till sunset now. Yeah, well, she's a, she is so fun, and what a great woman. So, Thanks. She said to say hello, by the way. Oh, good. So listen, um, so I've been building fences, too. And, of course, we there's two now half-built fences. You know, I started them three months ago, and I've got fence yep. posts in there. And people were walking by up where I am. A lot of people build fences up here, and they're like, wow, looking good. And the wor- there's been a work stoppage because I've just been it, – it's very hard <laughs> building a fence and, uh, and, and cutting the stuff and carrying the stuff and – so I'm trying to work on on that stuff anyway. But it's the post, the digging the post. That's the tough part. Well, digging the post. It, well, and then having them be plumb or correct because none of them are. So this is going to be the fence is going to be built new, looking old already. And I know the old colonials, uh, the, the old colonists used to talk about how rocky your area is. You must hit a rock every three inches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's true. There's a lot. There's a lot that I want to know. Like up where I am here. And I don't know, maybe it's the same with your house. All The old houses are all generally raised above the main street, and we're all on kind of embankments that lead down to the street, and this house is almost 300 years old. And, wow. and also all of the, most of the houses in this area. And so there's a set of steps that's a couple hundred years old, um, like rock steps from the street leading up to the front door. But after that, there's just grass to the front door. And so I'm wondering what the reason, what is that? And I can't, I've been looking it up, but maybe somebody listening can help us, by the way. And I'm going to guess, just guess that there may have been some sort of tempor- more temporary structure uh, to get you to the house, like maybe a wooden walkway or something. Hmm. I guess that would make sense if it was wood, certainly, because I've dug down and there's no pavers or brick things or anything like that. And, you're, and you have, but you have real two-by-fours, real lumber and those, and those old bones. Oh, yeah. I'd love you to come up here and check it out sometime. We're actually, you know, like I told you, there's construction happening right now, and those guys are are uh, sawing into it, et cetera, and reinforcing it. But, yeah, no, it, it is it is funny seeing the old stuff. So, by the way, thank you for everybody for listening to this podcast where me and Ken simply check uh, uh, catch up on your time. But we'll get to the, uh, to the big stuff now. All right, Ken, uh, talk to me. What is happening? Um, first of all, Let's start with the um, Black Lives Matter protests and this bigger social unraveling here. We're in mm-hmm. an insane time when now people are going back and combing through uh, Golden Girls episodes and deleting them. Is this simply, is this like the, the final march of the Marxists or is this some cultural fad that will recede and we'll all be uh, sane again? Yeah, it's, it's tough to understand because, um, of course, the, the the real sense that we're all supposed to uh, agree to is that black lives matter no less than white lives. And and I subscribe to that right. Whole, totally, right? But mm-hmm. it's been it's been hijacked, it's been uh, evolving to something that is unrecognizable to to that, you know, that goal or that objective. It's very disconcerting to see some of the things that they want to see just wiped out like um you know, like the Bolsheviks, you know, they just want to mm-hmm. destroy everything that reminds you or everything that indicates or implies a certain thing that is now hated. Um, you know, when you start going after Ulysses Grant, the right. greatest, you know, the greatest catastrophe to the Confederacy and, of course, the Ku Klux Klan, he, he had donated a lot of his time as the president to figure out, figuring out how to, how to dispose of them. And now even he's being attacked. Yeah. Um, I, I don't get it. Right. In in Boston, they're getting rid of the Lincoln statue. And Lincoln, I believe, had a hand in uh, casting down the Confederacy, I think, Ken, right? Get a hem of you, Cannon. No, yeah. Um, and, and the sad thing about that particular statue is that it was, it was uh, designed, it was paid for, and it was dedicated to the public by freed slaves. And so that some 
you know, some, uh, I forget his name, um, in Boston, the kid that was offended by it. You know, we get these oh, new, yeah. uh, I, I'm going to call him a snowflake because there's no way that this kid should be uh, offended or, or convince others that they need to be offended uh, by just pure gratitude for, you know, what must have been one of the toughest things any president had to do, which was to order his troops to fire on our, our own people, you know, but um, they don't care about any of that. They don't, they care if there's an utterance of racism in, in, in any, anybody's past, despite what they've ever done. Uh, if you were born into a family that owns slaves, uh, you know, through no fault of your own, you're now, you're in the cancel culture. And I think it's crazy to try to hold people of those days to the social mores of Western civilization, in particular progressives in Western civilization, to hold them to their particular social morality. It, it's, you can't do it. It's unimaginable. Right. In, in, the, in, the, in the case of Lincoln, I believe a Southern racist shot him in the head. I mean, shouldn't he get special consideration for that? You know, he died a bad death. But, you know, we've sat by far too idly and we've watched radical leftists just take control of higher education. And so the history that our youth is getting year after year, you know, they now have all the foot soldiers that we're seeing on TV, but, you know, they're not shown any of the great history of the United States. They're shown uh, through the prism of Howard Zinn, the People's History of the United States, where, you know, this was a book. Are you familiar with the book? Yes, yes. Of course, right? Um, you know, a KGB front company is the original, they're the, they're the ones who published it first. Oh, I didn't know that. Makes sense. Yeah. So, you know, now all of a sudden the United States, which I think was, um, the, what was the Constitution ratified? Uh, 1687 or 89? 1789, I think. So, uh, I'm sorry, uh, 1787 80, or 89, right. Yeah. But somehow Howard Zinn teaches all of our college students that we are responsible for what the Spanish throne did through Christopher Columbus and what was done to the, the Indians in the Caribbean uh, uh, and then Central and South America. So somehow the United States is to blame for all of that. Um, you know, it, 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 again, it's, it's not supposed to make sense, but they're not allowed to question it. So why, why should it have to make sense? You're right. And I understand that. And, and all context is taken out of history. When these kids go to take these classes, these critical uh, theory classes on race and gender and all that stuff, everything, all context is is removed immediately, and people mm -hmm. people have no idea. I mean, first of all, nobody said this country was perfect. This country is an experiment, and it is it strives to improve. The Constitution obviously did not include, um, or should have included black people, and did not at that time. And but it was a promissory note you know, that we could strive to, and then it did include them, and then the country, and then there was another amendment, and there was more legislation, etc. So it was never supposed to be perfect, but I also just wonder, do people not know the history of any history? Do people not know what happened, like, let's just say, on the morning of D-Day, and the sacrifice these guys made, and or Iwo Jima, or, you know, the Battle of Bull Run? It's, it's so interesting that they simply choose i just think the 20 year old a lot of 20 year olds choose not to see this stuff because it's very difficult or how about king philip's war do you think any 20 year old realizes that in the northeast uh the the colonists were essentially 9-11 by an organized uh, indian attack i don't think yeah so, so I, you know because king philip sits around here where, where, I'm, yep. where i'm down here in darvis um you know, things were good between the wampanoag indians and the Pilgrims, because Bradford and Massasoit had a contract that mm -hmm. both honored for decades. And then the British saw some money was coming out of Plymouth. They said, you know what? Let's get it. And they just took over. They annihilated all of the agreements, started coming up from uh, Plymouth into Carver, into Middleborough, kept pushing the Indians back. And the Indians were, hey, wait a second. No, that's not what we agreed to. And got a little violence. And so the it's funny, but the first uh, scalpings that we're aware of were started by uh, British uh, mercenaries mm. who came here and uh, they get paid by how many Indians they killed. And the way they proved it was to bring scalps back. Right. And, so, even, and that was even a civil war. I mean, I won't say civil war, but that was even, you know, the, the Indians and the colonists, uh, many tribes were working together against other yeah. tribes. I mean, it's, it's, but if you can, if you read some accounts of that and what happened uh, to settlers 
for instance, and early colonial villages and families, they were pillaged, raped, murdered, brutalized. The animals were brutalized. The, every, the, 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 the attackers mocked the churches and uh, clergy. They tortured people. And, and the, you can find atrocities at that time on both sides, to, to say a phrase. Right. So, so Custer, I've read, I think, five or six, maybe six books on Custer. You know, he was an Indian hater. He was a bigot, mm-hmm. no, no question right. about him. But to give you perspective, he grew up on the frontier in western Ohio. And, you know, he'd get a knock on the door at 11 o'clock at night as an eight-year-old boy. He'd hear about his neighbor, his best friend, and their family getting wiped out mm-hmm. and, on a regular basis. So um, you brought up Bull Run. That's, uh, that's where he got his brigadier general position. He's the only guy who didn't run from the southerners at, at Bull Run. But there are two sides to every story. Of course, uh, I find myself, especially now looking at, um, you watch it. There's a great show. You ever watch Hell on Wheels? No. You, just, you should watch it. You'd like it. It's, a, it's about a Confederate soldier, and, the, and then going up, he goes off to the railroad. Huh. But, you know, I find myself nodding with everything the Indians are saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, well, you, you know, know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, you know, giving a defense for the, you know, the Trail of Tears or defense for the genocide of Indians. I'm just saying if people knew the details of the realities of those days, right. you know, it's not black and white. Dances with Wolves does not tell you the story of the American Indian. Right. And, and so for people that think that this was a utopia before the Europeans got here, uh, what do they call the males in each village? I don't know. The, well, the squaws, and then there's warriors, uh, right? Braves and warriors. Okay, they're all battle ready because they're all they're all battling constantly. I mean, yes, the Iroquois or Iroquois nation. If you didn't decide to belong to them, they were you know they were Sicilian mafia man. You're either out or you're in. Which one you pick? <laughs> well, yeah, and, and that's why a, a lot of tribes were thrilled when the settlers got here because they thought, oh, great, a buffer between us and the other tribe who's beating the crap out of us. Who's it? Sagamore Joe? Is it in? Uh, Who's buried in Medford or Sagamore John? I for, I forgot. There's just so many stories. There's, <clears throat> it's just not simple. And I and I think that that Americans are, especially young people are, are taught to believe that everything's nice and symmetrical and everything's simple and everything is not simple. It's you well, know they didn't, they didn't just grow maize and and share you know uh, TP uh, architecture. They they had constant wars here. Uh, Massasoit agreed to give the Plymouth colonists the area that we now call. Plymouth because his warrior count was down and out. Uh, there was some sort of disease, maybe for a Dutch fisherman, they weren't equipped, their immune systems weren't equipped to deal with whatever they got, and they were dying. And so, so weakened that he was desperate enough to ask Bradford for the musket protection in exchange for the area of Plymouth. And so the Narragansetts that were encroaching to wipe them out from the Rhode Island area, you know, they were kept at bay by the Plymouth uh, colonists. So it's not all bad. Um, and, uh, you know, but I, the more I read, the more I realize it, it, the false narrative that this was a utopia. Right. Uh, uh, Winnebago. You know what a Winnebago is? Yes. Winnebago, uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's a nation of tribes out by Iowa and Illinois. And Tom, um, because I have so much useless information, I'll share you this with you. Winnebago means people of the stinky water. Huh. True story. Anyway. The Hurons, uh, they tried to send representatives to the Winnebago's to do some trade and see how that goes. And you know what they did to the representatives? They ate them. <laughs> Jesus. They ate Jesus. them. Jesus, yeah, that so. is lacking diplomatic etiquette, I would say. Uh, so that's a hard no, <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> 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 the, reason, the reason I bring it up is because, you know what, um, when we go back far enough, it doesn't matter which nation you're from, it doesn't matter which race, which religion, right. all of us are guilty in our ancestry, uh, atrocities. If, mm-hmm. if you weren't here in America uh, to be involved with slavery, you're probably, you probably have ancestors that were cheering on somebody being disemboweled and burned at the stake back wherever the town square was where you're from. Yes. And the, the morality is crazy compared to ours, right? You're right. Yes. We're not afraid. Human beings are not afraid to be terrible. And we have proved it again and again, regardless of color and race and, uh, and gender. Um, but it's funny you say that about the uh, the measles. Or I think it was measles. The, the, there are estimates that it wiped out eighty five percent of the population of Native Americans by the time the Pilgrims got here. So they're like, "Wow, it's interesting. It looks like this place is abandoned." Well, it, it was abandoned because <laughs> everybody's dead. You know. Hey, did you you know Amherst? 
uh, put smallpox in the blankets and he gave it to the Indians as gifts and he intentionally murdered elderly and children and babies, right? Did you, did you hear that Amherst is changing the town in the college name? No, I didn't. Really? Yeah, me, me either. Me either. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I'd also heard that the whole measles in blankets thing was apocryphal as well. I mean, who knows? But um, it, one other thing on that that I find interesting. Um, oh, darn, it was about the, the measles. And, oh, yeah, yeah. So you, you mentioned, and, you know, this is another thing that, that, that uh, European or Western people get crap for is bringing over measles as if, as if they were – I mean, they had measles. You know, it wiped out half of Europe as well. But the thing that was interesting is what is that there were Native Americans who were kidnapped or sold uh, into into um, the UK, and they didn't succumb to measles. So there's a lot of confusion as to like how or what exactly was going on that caused everybody to die. I've heard that they thought the waterways might be might have been contaminated by. Um, by the West. All I know is that somehow it's it's my fault. It's at the end of the day, and it's your fault, Ken. So that's... It is. How can, the, the thing that gets me is, so the Berber states, which is the um, the, the the northern shore of Africa, um, the the race they're they're called Berbers. They're basically Muslim Arabs, and you're talking about Tunisia, Algiers, Morocco, uh, what is today Libya. It was called Tripoli. Now they were selling West African slaves, uh, black slaves, uh, to Persia to Arabia, to the Ottoman Empire, and yes, to the European colonies. Um, they were selling right through uh, Thomas Jefferson's presidency. And if you go back today, the people that were backed by our country um, in the last administration, uh, they now sell slaves in Libya on the open market. <laughs> it, where's the outrage? They do it in South Sudan, and they do it in Khartoum, they do it in Tripoli, and, and uh, even Benghazi. So it's gone on, um, really, for centuries and centuries. It's, it's not really covered here. Uh, slavery still exists today. I bet a lot of people aren't aware of that. Yeah. But my point is, is that the slave traders who um, came from the North African states, they were, they were the dealers, the slavers. They never get any grief out of this. You know, they even took 1.25 million white Christian Europeans out of their homes, out of their uh, uh, sh off the shorelines or off of boats, and they dragged them off to those um, North African countries and they were sold as slaves. Um, go look up Baltimore, Ireland. You hear about that? No. 54 children, 33 women, 20 men, all uh, captured one night uh, when slaver pirates from those Berber states came up. Um, they were guided by a former Dutchman, a, a Muslim convert. And they were put onto all these ships. These 200 Corsairs uh, sailed up and took all the inhabitants of uh, Baltimore Island away. The men never set foot on land again. They were galley slaves rowing till they died. And the women were Jesus. harem whores. Uh, children. Where is Baltimore whatever, Island? Uh, it's, it's, well, it's, on a, it's on the coast um, down by Cork, but, up, but on the shoreline. A Cork, uh, Ireland. Uh, right. Okay. Yeah, it's on the south, southwest side. So south of Galway. Hmm. I don't wow. know if you're familiar with that, but and all it, my ancestors go away, by the way. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. So, but, it, but you know, the, the, again, I'm just saying, you know, every race, yeah. Indonesia, China, Japan, it doesn't matter, uh, Amer uh, Central American Indians, South American Indians, everybody has used slaves. It's just what the race did. It's, it's awful. Right. Uh, we, we hopefully are now enlightened permanently and we'll never do it again, even though it still exists in scattered pockets here. We all agree it's wrong, mm -hmm. uh, but the transatlantic trade is what deeply affects the United States history because now um, there, there was some terrible and still are some examples of it. But uh, you know, racism has always been a problem for blacks in, in America, and these are our, these are our countrymen. I mean, yes. we all should be doing more. But what amazes me, Tom, is we have a legislature of caring Democrats on Beacon Hill who have been there since Rodney King, certainly through Eric Goddard, and Black Lives Matter have come out, they've gone home, and nothing has changed. So I kind of want them to stay out until they get the, 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 the reformation that, that would make sense to everybody in, in a way. But, uh, you know, how do, the, how do the lawmakers escape all this grief? Right. They're, they're, they're the agents for change, not the police department. They enforce the laws. Why aren't you out in front of these guys' houses and gals' houses who can actually write the laws to change things? I agree with you. And, by the way, it, 
uh, Beacon Hill is this this in Massachusetts it's where the state capital is. You're right, and and the city councils are Democratic city councils. All the municipal leaders are Democrats, at least uh-huh. in this state, and these people have made the laws, and now they're saying they want to reform the laws. Well, you could have always reformed the laws. You've always had complete power. Of course, there's money being passed around through unions, etc. So, so you're right. I, I agree with that too. But I think largely any large change, certainly on the federal level, level federal level, will be just a nominal symbolic thing because. There are too many people, white people in Wellesley, Massachusetts, guilty liberals who consider this, this is just a fad that they're involved in right now. And they're doing performance art to celebrate it along with people. And they're being woke on Facebook. And, you know, the same way they were into the Tiger King four months ago, they're now into the Black Lives Matter movement. And they'll move on to something else. Well, if a stiff like me can come up with a couple of ideas, uh, you know, these people on Beacon Hill who are best and brightest. Uh, they ought to be able to do this, the mm-hmm. same thing in the amount of years they've been there. Um, you know, how about, for example, you know, the, the blue wall. If there's a police officer who feels he's seeing habitual racist or abusive behavior, there should be some way where he can anonymously but credibly report this, right, so that it can be mm-hmm. looked into to prevent guys that don't belong with the badge from keeping their badge. I mean, let's face it. There are X amount of officers who don't they, – they should not have a badge. This guy, Chauvin – not only did he have 17 prior complaints before he killed George Floyd, uh, they, they ignored it. And he was out there teaching the new cops how to deal with perpetrators. Yeah. That's what they thought of him. I mean, come on. And I so, was, yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to say, so maybe we ought to, you know, find a way so that our officers who see something can say something and not get, you know, uh, ostracized or, you know, mm-hmm. how they, they sort of uh, punish the rats. Um, and they might think it's not fair, but it, Maybe this should be a way where they can help somebody to look into something and not not be victimized by it. Yeah. What's that, um, the, the, the agency that looks at the police? In, internal Affairs. Internal Affairs. Is that, is that something they, they could do? Well, I think, I think that's probably uh, one of the entities that would look at it. And, you know, it, for, to me, it's disgraceful that the Boston City Council would defund the police department when they are part of the problem. What is worse for police department personnel? than the nepotism that exists. How many of these city councilors have called up the chief and said, hey, uh, my nephew's trying to get on, can you get him in? Now, the chief now realizes, okay, this city councilor, he votes for our budget. Um, right. yeah, of course I'll get his nephew in. Now, I have a guy who scored much higher, and I really like his personality a lot better to deal with the public, but I, I can't say no to him. Yeah, it's, it's Boston, this, there's more guys hired like that than, for, than the legitimate ways. So. And for these guys to turn around and start you know, piling on the same police department that they've been you know, getting favors from for these kind of jobs, I mean, it's, it's disgusting. I also think that, that cops, you can't have a job where you're having day-to-day incursions with, with people, violent incursions and anxiety-filled incursions day after day, week after week, month after month. I, I assume it probably has the same similar effect as just being in combat. And also, you know, when I was in retail... After a month, I hated every human and walked through the door. I, I, I imagine being a police <laughs> officer where you're, where you have, where you're getting in fist fights with these guys, and yeah. you know, I, I assume that if you can't help but to, for some of them, to dehumanize the people they're interacting with, and just well, I don't have a degree in psychology, but I, I took some of it as a criminal justice major, and if I'm understanding Pavlov right, we should expect this. I mean, if you have, for example, a white officer who has not had in his personal life a lot of encounters with African-Americans, but where he is policing, a lot of his calls go to very distressful scenarios, and the only encounters he's having is, uh, you know, negative, negative, negative. Mm. I mean, I think he's going to develop a certain um, a certain behavior towards that ethnic group. So we have to do maybe some things to counter that, get them involved in positive, uh, paid positive uh, time with the mm-hmm. same community, um, so that it can sort of maybe reverse some of the damaging effects of only dealing with, with this negative stuff. I, I wrote about it as a student uh, a long time ago, and of course, um, it's probably a lot wrong with it, but it seems to me that maybe we should at least look at something like that. Yeah, and you know, a lot of times with, these, with some of these horrific killings and other places of police brutality, there are black cops in there too, you know? 
and and they also, it's very possible, are not seeing the suspect. And it could be a black suspect or white suspect or whoever they're they're happening happening to interact with as anything more than just another problem, you know. So they they might be our best cops. Yeah. Because you know, I I've never heard anybody say, you know, I did that to you because Rodney King. I mean, the black officers, you know, you don't hear about any retaliation or anything like that. So I'm just saying, maybe, maybe um, we could learn from that. Why, why, why aren't they? Uh, why don't we hear about that ever? I mean, I, I'm still waiting for something like that. Well, the, interesting. The police chief up in Boston, I love William Gross. Oh, he's great, and uh, I think he may quit soon because he's been undermined by the mayor, undermined by the city council, and he's a cops cop. This is a guy who's done so much outreach. I mean, God, I would love him. He's a, I would love him sitting in the mayor's seat in Boston. Marty Walsh, Marty Walsh has ruined his future, and it's well-earned. He's turned his back on all that is right, and he's just doing the math. It seems to me, Tom, that everybody's afraid to be the next Capuano. You don't want to be a moderate Democrat. We're on the way out. We better do exactly what they say, yep. or you're going to get rolled over. Well, how about doing what's right for your community and putting yourself last for once? Because this is too important. It yeah. really is. I totally agree with you. Just, but just imagine it would be have been considered beyond the realm of possibility that a, a a violent mob rips off the head of the statue of Christopher Columbus in Christopher Columbus Park in Boston, and so the mayor then boxes the rest of the statue up and stores it away instead of rebuilding the statue. And you know it's stored away because you know the mob doesn't want it, and so if they vandalize it. The next thing to do is obviously appease them, water the weeds, and, and store it away. It's 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 such a lack of leadership. God, it's gutless. Jeez. It's gutless everywhere. Look at uh, Ber- Berkeley College of Music, and I have friends who teach there, and I have friends who go there. Berkeley College of Music apologized to Black Lives Matter for letting the police officers mm-hmm. go to the bathroom. There. They they were there around the clock protecting those buildings and protecting the glass, and Berkeley apologizes. Letting them use the bathroom. Well, then they banned the cops from the bathrooms, and yeah. that, that was not condemned by the mayor or the governor. Jesus, why be a cop? Why deal with that crap? Well, I, I look at. I think there should be a tax revolt. I mean, if, if you're going to defund the police, my taxes go to law and order, right? Mm-hmm. In, in part, what do you? I mean, you're going to give you're them right. a good talking to. Well, what's going to happen if the cops aren't there? I think they should all walk. I wouldn't blame them. I couldn't have. I certainly couldn't judge them if they I'd did. support it. I'd support it. Let's see what happens. You want to defund the police department? You want to see what happens? We're, we're all that's evil. We only do bad things out there. Have at it. I mean, we already saw just six blocks. What happens in six blocks in America with no police? <laughs> yeah, it was the summer of love there, Ken. There's only been four murders, I think, as of right now of young black men. But, uh, you know, summer of love, says that, uh, says yeah. that mayor. They tore it down. I was just about done with the musical. It's it's tragic. <laughs> hey, so um, what's happening with President Trump, Ken? Are you still on board? Uh, he's uh, he's on the he's trailing in the polls badly at this moment. Um, can he turn it around? Well, I'm not. I'm not going to trust the polls, only because I, I think a lot of media is not going to be very frank with some things. But the other thing is. It's tough to gauge who's going to admit they're a Trump supporter these days because you can mm-hmm. get punched in the head. I've <laughs> <laughs> never seen it before. I mean, but is that a red hat? Uh, yeah, you know, I think that a lot of people are going to be very reluctant to be frank with their um, with their politics. Uh, it's been that way for a good five or six years. I think it's only going to get worse. That said, he has underwhelmed uh, with the pandemic leadership. He's underwhelmed with the Black Lives leadership, the Chauvin case. I think he had. A, an opportunity to really, really shine in both of these. And frankly, I'm disappointed. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I, I, I still think it's superior to whatever Hillary Clinton was going to have, you know, in place here. I certainly support, uh, you know, him going after unfair trade deals, uh, getting on NATO to, to uh, you know, pay for their fair amounts. And he's, he's been great on a number of things. Um, but these two major issues, mm-hmm. timing couldn't be worse. And, he had a chance to shine, and to this point, he's disappointed. Yeah, and it, it, 2020 just has not been a good year for him. I, I think that where his the area where his leadership is best is he's a pro-business president, but the deregulation was incredible. Tax cuts, 
He touts business. He likes it. It, it, it excites him. I don't think uh, hydrochloroquine or whatever it is is something that he thinks about too often, except for out loud for the first time in front of us, which is not a good thing. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll see. I do think that there is time that he can turn it around, but something has to happen. Somebody's got to – there's got to be some new thinking there for well, him to do one it. Of the, one of the biggest reasons is economy may not look so great is because the debt has – really taken a hit here, right? We're at, uh, I think he's almost 50% of when he came in, which is a record pace. Mm -hmm. But, you know, his theory was that by bringing businesses back, and there were, there was a ton of manufacturing jobs coming back, a lot of markers, a lot of the, the economic markers were great. But in order uh, to, in order to uh, cut the taxes as he's done and not cut the budget, which he hasn't done. I, I think, um, you know, without the revenues being generated in the last six months or so, I don't know. You know it's, it's just going to look worse for him. I, it, they're going to have a lot to jump on. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know if Biden has the faculties to, to capitalize on it, but uh, he's got some holes in his story right now through, you know, fair or not, uh, because of what's been happening. He, he's certainly, you know, has got some big problems coming. Yeah, you're right. And you're right. And that is, it is incredible that these are the nominees, especially... Well, especially this year that Biden's a nominee, and he is, you're right, he is, I don't know if he has dementia, but he has lost a step. He's struggling to grasp knowledge, his recollection. He uh, oftentimes gets, um, he gets disappointed with himself out loud. He gets exasperated. He gets violently mad when challenged sometimes, including with Charlemagne the God, it, which is, these are signs of declining uh, mental health, I would say. Remember the, remember the guy, he almost called him fat, and he, yeah. he sort of, you, uh, he, he couldn't really prove it, but you know yeah. it. And then he challenged this 83-year-old invalid to a push-ups contest. Yes. I mean, he, you know, it, it would be funny if it wasn't funny. I, I, um, it, it's very sad. I think, I mean, if we're being frank, if it wasn't a major political guy, if we're just making a, a casual observation, it does appear that he's showing early signs of some, uh, mental um, decline. No I, doubt. I don't think. I, I'm just. I don't. I'm not a doctor, but no, I understand. We can speculate here, but you can. Can you imagine if you had a medium that was interested in delving into candidates equally rather than running defense? Imagine they looked into Biden, looked into Bo, uh, not Bo, looked into Hunter Biden. You looked close. I mean, J Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. Those are target-rich uh, entities. In most yep. news, or you would think a journalist who wants to, you know, you know, bring interesting news to the world, would want to know all about that. It reminds me just of exactly of with Benghazi. Nobody, no journalist on the left was interested in doing any work on Benghazi. Where was the president during those ten hours? Eh, we're not interested. They're just not interested in reporting on Biden, and it's disgusting. If we live in a country where th people were interested in reporting like that. Then, um, then people would be less shocked when you know news breaks about you know something that Trump has done in, in you know kids in cages with Trump. Oh my God, I can't believe that. Well, it happened with Obama too. No, 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 they didn't know about it because nobody bothered reporting it. The things that Biden has supported or objected to in terms of foreign policy, you know, Wiley Coyote had better luck. <laughs> so he was against Operation Desert Storm, which was an international raving success yes. under George H.W. Bush, right? He supported the George Bush War, George W. Bush War, which turned out to be, uh, you know, a catastrophe for, for so many reasons. Uh, although, you know, I'll say this, it brought a lot of the terrorists into one sandbox mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, target-rich environment, as we just mentioned. So for that reason alone, give it to Saddam. However, uh, he was for pulling the troops out of there immediately, which created ISIS. He was so positively supportive of the Arab Spring, right? The Arab Spring, the catchphrase, which was one of the most violent things that's ever happened in the Middle East in the North African shores. I mean, it was terrible for so many people. Uh, ask the Coptic Christians, but you know, the, um, the Egyptians, the Egyptians were like, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? You, you know, you just took down Mubarak to put these guys in place. They're killing everybody. Right. They had to overthrow the, the government that Barack Obama helped to install and the media wouldn't cover it. Yes. You know, it, it's amazing what they don't cover. Like right now, Rosenstein and, and uh, Stroke, they're calling each other liar while under oath. And we now know that they are definitely um, showing signs that they did something really bad mm -hmm. 
And now they're, they're throwing each other under the bus. And then that, that list will grow uh, in the next few weeks or hopefully uh, not more than two months. Yeah. But, but that whole ruse of framing the president for Russian collusion, um, you know, that, that's all started, starting to come to fruition. The theories are starting to solidify. Um, and I think these distractions are perfect right now for the, for the media. Right. And we know that Biden was present at at least one of those White House meetings, which further mobilized the intel agencies into, uh, into um, having a parasitical and probing uh, effect and de- deleterious effect on the Trump administration, which really hampered the two and a half years of his presidency. Ken, there's one more thing that, that Biden was on the wrong side of. I believe there was a uh, Situation Room Navy SEAL operation during the Trump administration that uh, involved meeting, uh, uh, removing the titular head of al-Qaeda. Al-Baghdadi? No, uh, bin Laden. Oh, that's right. He was he was um, he was not supportive of that raid in Abbottabad. Yeah, you're right. Yes, he was the one uh, no no vote on uh, on the raid. <laughs> well, how about this amazing hypocrisy? They're they're saying Trump is look what he's done. He's not going after Russia, based on very flawed information from uh, anonymous sources that uh, the Russians were paying the Taliban to hunt American soldiers. Mm-hmm. He has a big problem with that. But he said Trump was crazy for killing Soleimani. Who killed hundreds of American soldiers? We right. know this is not in question, and he was, he was opposed to that. Right? Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And you know, yeah, I don't know. I think that story has never quite gotten off the ground as much as the media wants it to. I think that they're feeling that that it's time for the next big uh, dark cloud story to to cover Trump with. And, I don't know if it's gonna if it's gonna take hold. It seems like it never the intel was never solid enough, but we'll see. If, what I, if I was advising Donald Trump, because it's now time for him to go on the offensive, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't feel bad for Joe Biden enough where I don't think we should point out some things. Joe Biden's bill was passed into law, signed by Clinton, that sent hundreds of thousands of African Americans to jail for petty marijuana possession. Mm-hmm. That negatively affected the trajectory of how many lives. Contrast that to Donald Trump's second chance policy, which is now releasing these nonviolent criminals back out into society with a clean slate. Compare those two. This needs to be talked about more. And Totally. Totally. Again, the Republicans are terrible at letting the Democrats define how, how it looks and, and how it's said. They never fight back. Exactly. And, and Donald Trump is the only person that could have uh, gotten the First Step Act passed by a Republican Senate. Or the only Republican president who would have signed the thing. You know, the criminal justice reform was not a huge uh, thing on the docket of rock-ribbed Republicans and conservatives. Maybe some libertarians, but no. I mean, there's they, and that's one of the reasons I'm angry at Team Trump and him. He himself. This should be talked about again and again and again, and not if uh, Scarborough killed his intern. You know, um, it, I mean, they just need to just they they well, need to write the ship. Now, since you and I have been in the studio at the Herald, the, the Boston Herald radio, um, we've been saying somebody's going to take his iPhone away from him. Mm-hmm. The tweet's got to go. The, the yeah. Twitter is a no-no. He's terrible. He's yes. flawed. He's an impulsive uh, speaker. He's an impulsive, petty man when it comes to not being able to bite his tongue when somebody is rude or negative to him. He, you know, he feels he has to fire back every, every time. I, you know, the presidency is bigger than Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. And as soon as he realizes that, I think he'd be a much better president. You know, if he's given a chance, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But um, he's been easily distracted, and, and we, he's got to he's got to improve on a couple of things. That's one of them. Yeah, well, I, I hope that's that'll be it. I think it was uh, Rich Lowry said he may have t- tweeted his uh, tweeted himself out of the presidency. Essentially, he is stronger language. <laughs> well, that'd be a first. Yeah, I don't think that's happened before. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, no kidding. I mean, but, but who knows? Um, okay, uh, before I let you go, uh, Ken Pittman. Uh, now, I know that you're. What, what, can I, what, what is it with you and Chris McCarthy? You guys never call me Ken. You always call me Ken Pittman. I don't know. I like it. I think it's because it sounds like it sounds like a name that should be on Seinfeld. Ken Pittman. Ken Pittman. Yep, at, you know, at your service. I don't know. It's a good name. It's. It, I think that's. I, I think that's a positive branding experience you're having, Ken. Let's hope. 
You know, who's the other Ken? You know, there's Barbie's Ken. You don't want to be that guy. <laughs> no, I know. I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> um, hey, so so you're a private eye, Ken. Yeah. Some of the um, – how has the lockdown affected uh, affairs? Because I would think that it's harder to sneak out of the house to, oh, honey, I'm going to go grab eggs and go uh, sneak to the neighbor's house or the neighbor's condo and have an affair. And yeah. – um, so is this is this tragically hurting the affair business, which is tragically hurting Ken Pittman's? Uh, I wish I could. I wish I could say it is tragically affecting the affair business, but people have just become more brazen. Um, they're still out there and sticking to their stories about where they were, and uh, no, no, it hasn't affected uh, that that aspect of the industry. They're still, you know, lust is a powerful thing, and a pandemic's not going to stop it. So, do some of these, let's say, do some of these guys, let's say their wife is having an affair, mm-hmm. do these, have you handed over evidence to a guy saying that your wife is having an affair and they've simply been in denial? Or do they usually say, oh, get, oh great. Well, I usually like to wrap it up or, or put it in the hands of the attorney um, for, for legal reasons and for, you know, I mean, I always hope they're wrong. First off, I, I always hope that my client's wrong. But when there's smoke, there's a lot of times there's fire. Not always. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I've had to hand, hand some uh, pretty emotional um, material. Nothing, you know, pornographic or anything really, you know, too, too invasive. But just enough where it would be dumb to sort of insult the intelligence of their spouse or even a probate court judge um, and deny that something inappropriate was going on. Um, and it's tough. I mean, it's one of the worst things I think that can happen to somebody that's in love. And, uh, yep. you know, for that, into, in, in you know, unfortunately, a lot of times they have kids. And so it's, uh, I don't enjoy when I have that sort of evidence because the whole time I'm, I'm hoping that they're wrong and we could just move on and get back to repairing your marriage. But um, yeah, to answer your question, I, I have. I've had to give some pretty damning things, and uh, it's not very enjoyable. Because um, then you, you know, on a, you become sort of a counselor for a few hours on the phone. I mean, yeah, you just uh, you sympathize, and um, you hope that they are not going to do anything irrational or uh, easier said than done. But I've actually had people call the cheater while I was behind them, and so that that was not i haven't done that in a while i don't share that information Wait, when anymore. you were behind yeah. what do you mean when you were behind them oh yeah so um you know they tell me that there's calm as a cucumber okay i know i can handle this don't worry ken and they get off the phone and they're screaming it at the at the husband while i'm behind oh. them two seconds later right so i see the guy adjust the rearview mirror he jams on the brakes and, and you know um so i don't tell them every anything real time oh, anymore. i see okay so you're behind them in, the, in a car yeah, you're talking to the guy, and his wife's in the passenger seat. No, his wife is on the phone at home. Okay, and I just reported what. Oh, what and she I'm... calls him. Yeah. Oh God. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. Not fun. Not oh, fun. I can imagine that. I can imagine that because pe- passions. When people get passionate, it's just. Yeah, like, I, I know, and I I should have known better. You know, I I'm not. I don't think I could control every. Uh, you know, I don't think I could control every emotion uh, without me. But I'll tell you. Um, they, they tricked me once. No, they tricked me twice. And then some. But I, yeah. <laughs> I, over time, I, I, I learned, no matter what, no matter how much they you know, you know, remind you that they're paying you and you tell them, damn it, nothing gets me to tell them real time anymore. Wow. So, you know, my wife and I, and it's, I'm sure it's the same with your wife and you, and, but, you know, we talk about, we're so busy. We never have any alone time. <clears throat> Any alone time at all, never. With the kids, right? And there's like at least three kids in the bed at any time, and there's, right? With we we never have my wife and I have never have any alone time at all together. Between that and you know she's working and now I'm and I'm working and doing other stuff, and there's no time. So we've joked about the fact that like if we, either of us were to have an affair, we would need assistance from the other one to do it. <laughs> You know, there's just no time to, to do it. <clears throat> but I get the feeling that there are probably couples who feel that there's no time to do it, but somehow they get it done anyway. 
into a cooperative hall pass. Is that is that no, no, not the same cooperative. I mean, there must be a way. Like, what's the usual way that somebody has an affair? So, if you're if you're a guy, and you're going to have an affair. First thing you'd have to do is probably have access to cash because you don't you can't have a credit card bill that shows that that you've been staying at the hol- Holiday Inn, you know, every other Tuesday night. So you'd have to um, get cash. So one of my favorite bands. Tom, and I, I highly recommend you listen to this, but not in your children. The, the lyrics are terrible, like very inappropriate, but great, great 80s metal. And I know you like that kind of thing. Steel Panther. And they have a song called <laughs> Be Like Tiger Woods. Oh, and in the interlude, he says, have you, uh, have your best friend book all your flights, tell your wife that you golf on nights. All right. So uh, it's a really funny thing about what, what to do next time so you don't get caught like Tiger Woods. Right? It's a really funny song. Um, but yeah, they come up with these elaborate, um, plausible that things that they've worked on, um, and sometimes um, it's weeks in between, which I think helps to build the excitement of it. And um, uh, but but you know, it's when they get greedy and when they can't control themselves, and they uh, get pressure from the other one that doesn't necessarily understand that they have a family. Um, and that they're going to call it off if they can't see them. It's it's that's when the mistakes come, and, oh, uh, and it always does. Oh man, man, I'll stick with my uh, to my life of chickens. I mean, not romantically, but uh, that those will be my my hobby is chickens and not finishing fences. Affairs seems like it's a lot of work and trouble. And, and actually, well, I, don't, I don't have any money. I mean, I, to, I think you have to be a sociopath. You know, I can I can see when a when a relationship's really in trouble. I might I might understand it, but you know, a lot of times um, these are coming from very healthy relationships hmm. uh, where where the spouse had really no reason, or at least their side of the story, there was really no no issue. Everything was great, and um, those are the ones that hit the hardest, and those are the ones that I worry about because, um, you know, when they discover that side of that person. It's as though they're going through a death because the person that they thought was there is now dead, and this is who they're left with. Mm. And it's a very, very tough thing to to, um, to go through. And of course, I'm the first one that has to deal with them, and uh, and, I, and I'm I'm okay with that because I think I've gotten pretty good at at um, helping them get through the first few hours and, and days and things like that, um, just just to experience. But it is it's a tough thing to go through if if you're not under the impression that anything's wrong, and then this betrayal happens. <laughs> Uh, Ken, before we go, um, two things. One, have you been banned from Twitter? Are you on? Are you back off? Or, or, or? I have been cast out from Twitter. <laughs> and th- this is, this is, I think, why. I wrote an article on my radio station, WBSM, uh, about all the lies from John Woodward. And I think that either him or somebody complained about it. John Woodward? Uh, Bob Woodward. Bob, okay. Uh, Bob Woodward. Yep. Yeah. Um, because Bob Woodward wrote that, all that stuff about Trump, and I went back and shown and I showed all of the documented big, big lies from from Mr. Woodward, and uh, that was taken down. And next thing, I got this: uh, you are uh, you violated the rules. Your account will not be turned back on. Oh Jesus! Jeez. There's a lot of that happening, Ken. You should get on hey, that uh, parlor parlay. P A R L E R is where everybody's going now. Conservatives. Anyway. I felt like I felt like Costanza when he couldn't go in that calzone place anymore. <laughs> oh, that's no more tough. Twitter for me. Okay, and one last uh, thing, Ken. I just want to know very quickly: Are we allowed to talk about your? You used to have another job with Uber. Yeah, yeah. Um, so but, that came to an end. Uber and Lyft, I did. Okay, how did the Uber situation come to an end? So my, uh, my cousin is a retired homicide detective with the state police, and he and a bunch of cops bought, um, retired cops, bought 10 Escalades, brand-new Cadillac Escalades. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't do this around the clock. So he says, hey, you know, when you're working with me, if you're in town and you want to take the car out for a few hours, see if it's worth it to you, um, yes, uh, check it out. So this is when Uber was very, very new. So I did it, and I think the third night I was out, I made six hundred bucks in awesome. eight hours. Right? I was, yeah, I could do this, you know. So the the problem was is that I lived down in Dartmouth, which is you know a good fifty five miles south of Boston. So I would put the car away um, because it was their company. I would have to stay until they told me I could go home, and that was gonna bring all the drunks home before you could go home. So, mm-hmm. so I'd pull their car into the Quincy lot where the cars were kept, 
at 3.15, and I'd get home at 5.15, which is about the same time I started my surveillance the day before. Mm. And so one morning, I was driving down 140, and I started pulling off at an exit. There was no exit. I, oh. I was literally dreaming. So that uh, I said, I can't do this. I, you know, uh, that's not going to happen. So I, I had to call it quits. And then I ended up going back, but with Lyft, because I was using my own vehicle. And I look, I, I thought it was enjoyable, uh, you know, just to get some extra money out to the kids in college here and then just to pick yeah. up some extra dough, you know? Oh, yeah. No, that's great. No, there's a particular story I'm looking for here, though, Ken. There may be a, there may be a firearm involved. Okay, yeah. Um, so uh, I guess I can do it. Statue of limitations is that? Oh no, uh, you don't have to if you don't want to. I love the no, story though. It's just no, no, so no, awesome. No, I'm just kidding. So yeah, I was driving a British couple home, uh, not home, but to where they were staying on Beacon Hill, mm -hmm. and they were coming from the Fenway area. Uh, so where. Huntington, not Huntington, in between Huntington and Boylston. I picked them up back there. Anyway, I'm coming back out onto uh, Boylston, and some kid turns the corner. He's got a red Solo cup. He's obviously drunk. He, he had to lean on the wall just to stand up, and two seconds goes by, and obviously these two guys were casing him, and so they started beating him and going through his pockets, and he was screaming for help. And I'm just, I, for a second, I'm like, am I really seeing this? So I, I put the car in park, I put the, the SUV in park, and the British couple's in back of me, and they're, yeah. you know, and I really <laughs> didn't notice them other than that expression in the rearview mirror. And then I get out of the car, and I took out my firearm, and I pointed at the guy to see, get the F off him right now at the top of my lungs. Right. And they turned at me, and you could tell they were so high, they really didn't even understand what was pointed at them for a second. And then... Um, What's his name? Usain Bolt? Yes. From uh, Jamaica? Yeah, he would have lost that one. I, I, it was amazing. I, you know, it just took off, thankfully, because I, right. you know, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how that would have gone. I'm thank, just thankfully. But um, some of the kids, like, grabbing my legs, and he's thanking me, and he's drunk, and I thought he was going to throw up on my shoes. And So I get back in the car to continue our conversation because, Tom, I was just trying to convince them that America's not nearly as violent <laughs> as the television would suggest. Right? <laughs> And so that, now, why on earth do you have a firearm? I said, well, I, I, I work as a private investigator, and I right. happen to have it on me because, I, well, of course he is. <laughs> you know, they just thought it was the greatest. Story. They already thought the trip here was worth it just based on that. You know. Right. But the funny thing is we were just having a conversation. I was trying to convince them that the television makes America look a lot more violent. Right. Oh, that's right? great. <laughs> we have this nonsense. Right. <laughs> I almost forgot about that. Oh, I, so I thought that somebody turned you in for that. Yeah, so they, yeah, they, they got me in trouble. So they were praising me to Uber, and Uber said, "Well, you can't have a firearm. We're gonna have oh. to let you go." And I, and I, I, you know, convinced them that I, it wouldn't happen again. And yeah, I'll just let the guy die. You're right. Uh, so that was it. I, uh, I was admonished but not fired. Well, you're that's a heroic way to go off for the the uh, you know. No, no, wait. So I had to jump on them. They they backs were to me. I was good. What do you mean? <laughs> Ken, I am proud of you for standing up for a drunk man in the Fenway who probably has no recollection of that moment. That's exactly right. <laughs> America. <laughs> All right, Ken Pittman, my friend, thanks so much. We can talk forever, but I've already I've, I was late getting to you, and then I've uh, I've absconded with you. You have farming to do, I believe, Ken. I know you're not the boss of that household. I miss you, man. This is fun. It's always fun to talk to you, Tom. Thanks. Totally agree. Ken Pittman, 1420 WBSM, Saturdays 9 to noon. Thanks so much. You bet. Ken Pittman, everybody, thank you so much for joining. If you're not already subscribed, please do subscribe and uh, leave a review. And if it's possible to leave a uh, five stars, please do that or whatever you feel like. However many stars you have in your heart is just fine with me. Thanks so much. I hope you enjoyed the interview. I always love talking to Ken. He's a good guy. Check out his band. Check out all, all that stuff will be in the notes if you want to book him or talk to him or you need a private eye because your life is falling apart. He's your man.
Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.